Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star for week two of a series called Tensions. We began this last week. We were talking about the tension of busyness and the tension of margin and how we live in the land of in-between. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So I want you to go ahead and take your, you got a little note sheet on the way in. Go ahead and pull that out. It's a great way to follow along. Or go to the North Star app. That's probably the easiest way. North Star Church, Georgia in the app store. Every, literally everything you need is on that app and that will help us. Last week we made this statement the statement was, some things in life are not problems to be solved, but tensions to be managed, right? We've got to learn to live in the tension. We're not going to solve it. We're not going to figure it out. We've got to learn to live in the tension, right? So let's talk about in the world, not of the world. So very good illustration of this. I live in the state of Georgia, I've lived in the state of Georgia, other than the four years I went away to college, I've lived in the state of Georgia for four years. But I am not a Georgia Bulldog fan. Does that make sense to everybody? So I'm in, but I'm not of, right? There's a tension there. You Georgia fans make it very hard to do this because you keep winning, all right? That's a problem. You keep winning, congratulations, you win, but in, not of, right? I am in, but not of. I remember we were leaving a tech football game after Georgia beat us another year, and Casey was a little guy, and he looked at me, he goes, why are we tech fans? And I'm like, I don't know. All right, it's very hard to be in, not of. So when Jesus made the statement that we're to be in the world, not of the world, it's interesting. So let's, let's unpack it and, and make, let us understand where we're coming from. Number one, the day that you came to know Jesus, the day that you said yes to Jesus, whether you were 14 or 40 or 50, whatever it was, you said yes to Jesus. He did not take you out of this world. He left you here. So what is the world? So if you're taking notes today, this, there's not a blank for this, just to help you understand. Anytime I say the word world, literally in scripture, it means the systems of this world. It's the, it's the cosmos, meaning we live in a fallen world, and therefore when you're of the world, you are part of the systems and the breakdown and the sin that goes on. So maybe this will help. Yes or no? I'm going to give you a yes or no question. Is it okay in this world to be about you, to be selfish? Is it okay in this world to be selfish? Yes or no? All right, help me out again. All right, is it okay in this world to be selfish? Yes or no? no? It's not right, but it's, you get a pat on the back. Jesus says you should be selfless. The world says this is all there is. Hoard it up. The Bible says, well, we should live like this. We should live empty-handed. The world says somebody hurts you, retaliate. Perfect weekend. Dr. King made a mark on this world because he said, we're not going to do what the world says. We're going to turn the other cheek. 
if somebody hurts you, don't forgive them and let them off the hook. Jesus said, well, how can you not forgive them? See, it's interesting. There's a tension because we don't get taken out of this world at salvation. In fact, we get left in the world, but we're not to be of the world. The power in your journey comes from your ability to manage the tension. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Mark chapter 2. If you got your Bibles, Mark chapter 2. It's a great story right out of the life of Jesus as he lived out this tension. So he leaves heaven. He puts skin on. He comes to earth in the middle of a broken religious system. The religious system of that day was checklist. Unless you are religious enough, we don't associate with you. That's the religious system of the day. The Pharisees, Sadducees, you didn't have one of them move in as your neighbor, okay? They had nothing to do with common people. They ran together, they lived in their own sect, they lived in their own society, and if you weren't in their spiritual caste system, it just didn't work. And that's why Jesus, they didn't know what to do with him because Jesus shows up and he's not like that. And you're going to see it in the story. Would you stand with me in honor of reading God's word today? Mark chapter 2. Bible says, As he was passing by, he saw Levi, Matthew, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax collector's booth. Time out, real quick. Tax collectors, bad people. Tax collectors, don't don't hang out with tax collectors, right? They are of the world, and they are greedy, and they are dirty, and they... Play by their own rules. Jesus, rabbi, comes by, sees Matthew sitting there, and he said, follow me. Could be my disciple. Accept me as your master and teacher and walk with me. This is a great story. And Matthew got up, and he followed him. He became his disciple, and he believed, and he trusted, and he followed his example. And it happened that Jesus was reclining at the table in Matthew's house, in Levi's house. And many tax collectors and sinners and non-observant Jews, they were eating with him and his disciples. Time out. Step out of the story. Bad, 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 bad. If you break bread with somebody, you are endorsing the way they live. That's what religious leaders back then would tell you. They looked at Jesus and they could not get over who he's hanging out with. So I think it was about the time of year of the playoffs and they're all watching Matthew's big screen TV and eating pizza and wings. And they're hanging out, literally, they, I'm kidding about the game, but they're hanging out at Matthew's house. It's a picture of it's what they were doing. They're just reclining at the table. But this is really interesting. When the scribes, or at the end of that, so they were eating with him, disciples, for there were many of them, and they were what with him? What does it say next? They were following him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that Jesus was eating with the sinners 
and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why does he do that? Jesus heard it and he said to them, those who are healthy have no need of a physician, but only those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners who recognize their sin and humbly seek forgiveness. Really, here's what Jesus was saying. The people of the world are to be loved. The system of the world is to be rejected. And you got to learn how to live in the tension of the two. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, I believe that the influence of the life that you've given us will be directly proportionate to how we figure out this tension. So God help us. I don't claim it's easy. But I know this, Father, for some today that are gonna go, I don't wanna live like I've been living, Father, it could be a game-changing day. And that is my prayer. And I pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Turn around and find somebody around you. Welcome to North Star. And you can have a seat. <clears throat> you know the easiest place to live out your faith? Church. Sunday morning is easy. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully it's easy, right? People believe like we do. They think like we do. They act like we do. They give in to the same thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's like the easiest place. Hardest place is Monday morning. When you leave this and leave what's normal and you go around and you're out just in the world. Jesus, it was funny before he left this earth, he prayed for his disciples. And he said, Father, I can't take them out of this world. I'm gonna leave them in this world, but they don't belong any more than I did. But would you protect them from the evil one? Don't let them get sucked in to lose their influence. I got a really good friend played ball with in college. His name's Tony Beasley. Tony has been in Major League Baseball since he left Liberty in the I guess 1990, 89, 90, he got in, played, played up through the minor leagues, got a cup of coffee in the bigs, then started managing and managed his way up to AAA. Then he got picked up by the Nationals, and he was third base coach. And then he went to the Pirates, and then the Pirates changed managers, and he went back to the Nats and worked his way up through their system. And I believe he went back to the Pirates. And then the manager of the Rangers hired Tony. This was a couple years ago now. And he goes and becomes third base coach for the Pirates, or for the uh, Rangers. Interesting. So this will tell you about Tony. He's going on his third manager that he's the third base coach for, which tells you normally you always clean house every time, but everybody keeps Tony. Here's the why they keep Tony, because who he is. So I asked Tony one time, I said, okay, so you spend your time in a major league clubhouse. I don't know if you've heard interviews with some major leaguers or you've heard locker room talk before. Have y'all ever heard locker room talk before? 
they can cuss in complete sentences. It's really an amazing talent that some athletes have and coaches. And so they can cuss in complete sentences. And so um, I said, Tony, you don't, you don't use language like that. How do you live like that? How do you live in the, the tension? And he said, Mike, if somebody doesn't know Christ, they don't know Christ, they're lost. I'm, I have no problem, that's their deal. But if somebody puts a cross around their neck, I hold them to a different standard. Now they represent something. It's interesting. Thought about that a lot this week. How did Jesus do this? First little blank. Turn it down. Purpose. Jesus knew why he was here. 100% God. 100% man. Faced with every temptation you and I know and have to deal with. He faced them. He went through them. He had to battle with them. How did he not get sucked into the world system while he was here? How was he able to eat at Matthew's table with tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners, but not get sucked in their value system? Purpose, he knew why he was here. I want you to write down a little thought under it, ready? Simon Sinek would say, he knew his why. He knew why he was here. He knew why God put him where he put him. He knew his purpose. I think sometimes we get sucked into that system because we just get up and go to work. We just get up and go to school. We don't really have a purpose. We just are aimlessly floating. Jesus knew his purpose. Remember what he told them. He said, it's not this, the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. I've come to seek and to save those that were lost. That is why I'm here. That is my why. Therefore, I've got to know those that don't know, but not be changed by those that don't know. My life, everybody get this, my life has to look different. Your purpose calls your life to look different. It's not about you, it's about other people. Jesus understood his purpose. One of the reasons that Jesus understood his purpose, this is so interesting, is his purpose was determined by possession. His purpose was determined by possession, meaning he knew who owned him. He knew who his father was. And he knew what he was designed for. Have you ever gone like um, to a store or to like a, Sports Authority or a Dick's or uh, one of the other, you know, big Hibbit or something like that. And you bought a, like a workout machine. I remember years ago, Ann and I were buying, uh, it's, one of the, it's one of the machines. And I'm like, I can't believe we're buying something somebody else will buy for $5 off our driveway. But anyway, so we, we bought it. So if somebody gets a treadmill, a treadmill is for what? What's the purpose of a treadmill? Walking, running, getting in shape, not being a clothes hanger, right? Not a closet that you hang stuff on. That's not the purpose. Of, but the owner determines the purpose. It may have left Dick's Sporting Goods as a workout machine, but it may be owned by you in your garage, and it's just got boxes on it. The owner determines the purpose. Some of us struggle with our purpose 
Because we've never surrendered ownership of who we are. Like we own our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, the day you meet Christ, you don't own your life anymore. Does that make sense to everybody? Possession determines purpose. And I would tell you this, until we figure out the possession piece, we probably won't find our purpose piece. When I finally get, okay, God left me here and he gave me a purpose on this earth that's not everybody else's purpose. It is my purpose why he put me here. But then sometimes we hear that and we go, but placement. Next little blank there, placement. One day when I get the right job, one day when I elevate myself to a different place, I'll live like he wants me to live. But Mike, it's hard to, I don't really know my purpose and I think God made an, a mistake. So, all right, time out. Let's, let's see if we can apply this. Um, every now and then, if you're new to North Shore, a lot of new people. We have been slammed the past two weeks, slammed. So you're new to North Shore, you may every now and then Here's sports illustration here. Every now and then. So I just wanted to prepare you, and you're like, Mike, I hate those. Let me suggest another church, because you're probably not going to like it here. Well, if you were smart, you do historical stuff. Agreed. I'm not. All right? And so there we're stuck with what we got. So here's what I know about coaches. Lots of coaches here. A coach's job is to put you in a place to succeed. They place you. You watch film, and you go, if you're there, a few years ago, Casey calls pitches for a local high school baseball team and does scouting reports, and we knew we were playing a team, Johns Creek, and we knew they had a little hitter that liked to spray them down the line, and we knew if our outfielder moved to the right spot, we would catch that little soft liner hit down the line, and we're out of the inning. Outfielder didn't get moved. I'm still bitter. Outfielder didn't get moved. He's still in his same spot out in left center or wherever he was at. Ball's dripped down the line. Couple runs score because he wasn't where he should have been. A couple years ago, the Atlanta Falcons, we were down doing a chapel service for them. They had a middle linebacker named Curtis Lofton. If you remember Curtis, when he played with the Falcons, went on and played with the Saints, got done speaking, and Curtis goes, can I walk y'all to your car? Uh, yeah. All right. And so Curtis Lofton, this big old middle linebacker, walks me and Casey. I felt very safe, actually. We walked to, my, walked to my car that night, and I asked him, I said, you played at Oklahoma. What made Stoops a great coach? And this is what he said. He always had you in the right position to make the play. He would say, Curtis, if you're one foot wrong this way, or one foot wrong this way, you're gonna get washed out of the play. But if you will be where I'm telling you to be, you will make the tackle, right? That's what makes great coaches. Everybody look at me. So if God is infinite and all-knowing and all-powerful, do you think he's got you in the wrong spot? So do you think you just ended up, and God's like, oh my gosh, I dozed off, and who were they? I didn't know where they were. I, I mean, I, I think I remember them being born, but how'd they end up in accounting or politics? I, I didn't know. No, he's got you where he's got you for a reason bigger than you. Your placement is not by accident. There's power in your placement. 
in this tension, listen to what Jesus said. This is so strong. Very first sermon. You are the what of the world. What's it say next? Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Nobody lights a lamp, puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Maybe, just maybe, he put you where he put you. He placed you there for this season of time for your light to be seen by somebody that needs it. If I'm in the world, I get it. But if I've got sucked into the pattern of this world, I miss it. And I'm going to tell you something. Just hear it. It's easier over here than over there. It's easier to go, you know what, I'm just going to go with the flow. But our power gets diminished. I want you to write a little thought down in number two, and we're going to talk about it. My placement may be temporary. It may be a season. You may not be there forever. You may not be in that job, in that school, in that place, in that neighborhood, on that team forever, but you are now. It's, it may be temporary. It may not be. 1991, I leave Liberty, Lynchburg, Virginia, get a job in Kennesaw, Georgia. Ann and I are engaged. And that took a lot of work to talk her into this life, all right? And so we, we get engaged, and I'm like, baby, it's going to be great. And so I remember, how many of y'all lived around Kennesaw and Ackworth in 19, in the early 90s? Raise your hand. All right, there's a handful of you. Did it look anything like it looks now? No. All right, it was out there. And I remember the very first time Ann and I drove around the little corner in Kennesaw coming into downtown and she's a little 21, 22-year-old girl. And I remember these big tears coming. And these were not tears of joy. All right, I remember these big tears coming down her cheeks, just crying. And I remember going, this is, and I said this. I grabbed her hands and I said, baby, listen, I got great news. We're not going to be here long. We are not going to be here long. That was 1991. We're not going to be here long, baby. We're on the fast track to success. Our, our assignment was a little more lengthy. But God's placement wasn't an accident, nor is yours. If a coach knows how to get you in position, I do believe the Lord does too. You're city on a hill. Don't hide the light. You get sucked in the world system, you cover the light. You go, man, I'm not here forever. I'm just passing through. Your light shines a little different. Purpose, placement. And then we get there and we go, but man, Mike, I, I look at other people and I, I can't be that. I don't have, and here's the word, power. I just don't have power. I just, I give in and I just, I don't want to. But I'm not Jesus, and I, I'm, not, I'm not a paid church staff. I'm just a normal person. I'm just a mom or a dad or a coach, a teacher, a parent. 
have power. John was writing. The apostle John in his letter, 1 John, said, My dear children, you come from God and you, what's the next word? You belong to God. The ownership's been settled. You've already won a big victory over false teachers for the spirit in you is far stronger than anything in the world. Here's what he's saying. God's given you what you need to live in this tension. Nineteen ninety-seven. I'd been at this church for five and a half years, and I just knew my time was up. And I remember meeting with Ike, who is our founding pastor now. But I remember meeting there, going, "I want to be at a church that's made up of people who didn't get up thinking about church. I want to be a church full of people." The church wasn't how people knew them growing up. In fact, they hear they go to church and they're like, oh, whoa, 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 you go to church? That's the kind of church I want to be at. And I remember we started this church called North Star. And in fact, our mission statement back in the day was to show God's love in such a way that people would exchange ordinary living for an extraordinary life through the transforming power of Jesus Christ. We said that mission statement for years and years and years. Because I knew this. When somebody meets Jesus radically and they live in this world, but they're not of this world, it's noticeable. Why? Because in darkness, light makes a difference. See, in darkness, the, the darker the room, the brighter the light. If they brought all these house up, right now you wouldn't even know I had a light up here. But sometimes in our purpose, God places us somewhere where people need light. See, here's the hard part of this world system. This world's it. When you don't know Jesus, this is as good as it's ever going to get. And they're stumble in darkness, Scripture would tell us. And then they meet you. And you love different. You talk different. You act different. You're my buddy B's. You're in a MLB clubhouse, and you aren't like everybody else. And it's captivating. Why? Because... Your light shines. And when you're in calamity and you're in darkness, you're looking for light. Darkness is everywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, the purpose of your life is to let your light shine in the places and spaces God puts you. That's the purpose. But here's what happens, and it happens to all of us. This tension is so hard, the light never goes out. Jesus still lives in us, 
But we get sucked into the world system and our light gets covered. Nobody really knows we're different. Nobody knows we're not like them. They know we go to church. Everybody hear me. The enemy could care less you come to church. What he cares about is what you do with it. That's what he told his disciples. I'm praying that you will protect them from the enemy. Don't let him blind them. Why? Because when the light's covered, it's of no use to anybody but you. You know what living scent means? We live in the tension of being in the world, not of the world. And our light shines for people to find their way home. That is why we're here. That's why this church exists. 89% of people in our community woke up this morning not thinking about Jesus or church. But they happen to play ball next to you. They happen to live next to you. They happen to work next to you. They happen to be in the same club that you're in. They happen to be in the same dorm that you're in. Don't lose your influence. Shine your light. Mike, who can do that? Anybody. Just shine it wherever God puts you until he sends you somewhere else. Shine the light. Tension? Oh, big time. Because it's hard sometimes to shine light in darkness. But we ain't here forever. Scripture says we're just passing through. Somebody needs your light. Would you pray with me? For some of us this morning, we're sitting there thinking if somebody outside North Star knew me, they would never know there was a light in me. I've been sucked into the system. I know Jesus, but I'm just living. I'm not living, son. Would you talk to the Lord? Really, the question we have to ask ourselves is, I want to live a life of regrets, what I wish I would have done. Or I want to live a life of influence. What I can do. What could happen if a group of normal people that are coaches and politicians and doctors and real estate agents and business leaders, those in sports and those in school and those in broadcasting and those in, that are cashiers for this season. We thank God put me where he put me. I'm going to let my light shine. 
God, I think that's where revival comes from. God, really all you're asking us to do is to look and live like Jesus. May we do that well. Father, today you've got our attention. You've got our hearts. Father, may we know today that we're not where we are by accident. God, use us there. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.